John Amadeo, AA6JA, sent us a special note here about the KA6 LMS special event station going QRT with a bang. If you're a fan of Tim Allen's TV series, Last Man Standing, you'll have a final chance to contact the show's amateur radio club station before it goes QRT. The week-long KA6 LMS radio special event starts on March 24th at 000 UTC and runs through 2359 UTC on March 30th, which is the show's final day of shooting. This will be an all-mode, all-band event. Fans will have an opportunity to work the bonus one-by-one stations, K6L, K6M, K6S, W6L, W6M, and W6S. Stations from every call sign area will operate as KA6 LMS Stroke 0 through KA6 LMS Stroke 9, providing nationwide coverage. The remote operators are a virtual who's who of ham celebrities, contesters, and podcasters. Many will live stream their operations. Check spotting sites like DX Summit for pop-up operations on any day at any time during the event week. We expect the on-stage radios to be in operation from the studio in California on Saturday, March 27th at 1800 UTC using 20 meters, and on Sunday at 2200 UTC using 40 meters. Remote stations will act as relays to give everyone an opportunity to make a contact with the stage. If you're a fan of digital modes, Saturday, March 27th is your day. At 1700 UTC, KA6LMS will be using D-Star on Reflector 12 Alpha, hosted by the PAPA repeater system. At 1900 UTC, the D-Star action moves to Reflector 30 Bravo, hosted by Georgia D-Star. At 2300 UTC, Amateur Logic TV will host the KA6 LMS multi-mode QSO party. Using All-Star, DMR with uh, via Brandmeister, D-Star, NXDN, P25, Echolink, Hamshack Hotline, WiresX, and Yezu System Fusion. A live stream of this activation will be available at live.amateurlogic.tv. KA6 LMS QSL cards will be available for stations who contact the stage directly or through relay stations. Special event certificates, including clean sweep endorsements, will be available for download. The KA6 LMS radio event is sponsored by the Great South Bay Amateur Radio Club's 12 Days of Christmas and K2 Heroes team. In association with the Amateur Logic TV, the Papa Repeater System, and Georgia D-Star. For more information, go to www.gsbarc.org slash LMS. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Hello, everybody, and welcome to you. have tuned in to episode number 402 of Linux in the Hamshack. And we appreciate you being here. This will be our short topics episode. So thanks to everybody who's tuning in and thanks to everybody who visited us, visited us back last Saturday or whenever you're listening to this on Saturday, the 13th of March, when we had the USO Today Virtual Ham Expo live uh, thing that we did. 
the audio for that came out as episode 400, so hopefully you got a chance to listen to it. And the video of that will be available at some point, just not yet. We'll let everybody know when that's going to be. But let's move into our short topics. Again, episode 402, I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. Who's actually not delayed at all today. Woo-hoo. So excellent. Let's hope, it's, <laughs> let's hope it continues to stay that way. But with that said, let's go ahead and jump right into our actual lead topic, which is the thing I just mentioned. So Bill's going to tell us his, uh, his uh, take, maybe, on uh, what happened. I don't know if we're going to talk about it that much, but uh, it's our lead topic anyway. So go for it. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll just go over and cover the uh, copy here, which, uh, of course, is that the QSO Today Virtual Ham Expo On Demand is now open. An email was received uh, from Eric, uh, well, today or yesterday, I can't remember. <laughs> I think it was today. Yeah, okay, so, so today as we record the podcast, which is a few days before you actually hear it, uh, his team regarding the opening of the on-demand period for the Expo. The QSO Today Virtual Ham Expo is now live and back on our VFairs platform in on-demand mode until April 16th. If it says invalid registration, just use the registration button, fill out the form, and you will be in. So don't uh, don't freak out. Just just go ahead and do that. Uh, we reloaded all the ticket holders into VFairs to make this as smooth as possible or a smooth operation. Uh, once inside, all the presentation videos are in the auditorium on the presentation screen. Click on the audi- auditorium door on the right side of the lobby. Uh, you can go to the full screen mode with the icon on the right of the play bar. Uh, so this is a this is a navigatable window that sits in the middle of your screen <laughs> with all of the uh, content on Vimeo, and you can either uh, hit the left and right buttons to go to uh, the particular presentation you want. They're all kind of like in there, and I think there's also an option to uh, see the menu. Um, I forget what button you actually press to do that, but you can see all of the uh, options and click right to it to whichever one you want to go see the presentations at least. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else do you say? Uh, I am building a site for the blind and vision impaired hams. Once it is finished, I will send a message by email to everyone to say that the link will be uh, on the QSO Today Virtual Ham Expo website homepage and can be found easily with your screen reader. Expected uh, time of arrival on that is Friday, so probably before this podcast releases. Uh, the exhibit hall is open with downloadable content and videos from sponsors and exhibitors. We thank them for their loyalty and patience. Again, we apologize for the inconvenience that we caused you last weekend. We have not ignored anyone's message to us. We were all overwhelmed with thousands of emails on every channel. We wish we will answer everyone. Obviously, very late. Please do not reply to this message unless you just can't get into the expo. We have made every effort to make it as easy as just re-registering on the VFair site. So there you go. That's uh, that's where the state of things are. Um I uh I was logged in with two different users, so I just want to give you a little background. <laughs> uh, I had one for LHS podcast and one for the K2BSA, and I was logged in early on both of them, and I had no problems getting into uh, presentations. I did notice a lot of the uh, a lot of the presentation hosts and stuff like that were having some bandwidth issues. Um, and then of course at the very early on Friday, obviously people were having problems logging in because I think the, uh, the authentication servers or whatever with the, uh, AirMeet platform weren't, weren't actually load tested for <laughs> as many, as many tickets as, as he sold and as many expected visitors. Um, which, uh, you know, it is what it is. The platform is based and hosted in, uh, India. 
So uh, with a lot of people coming from the U.S., uh, you know, it might not have been the best path, whatnot. But uh, hey, hindsight's fifty-fifty. Uh, another thing. Uh, um, hindsight is fifty-fifty. Yeah, fifty-fifty, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Blind. But it's going to be that kind of night, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Hindsight's <laughs> 2020. Yeah. There you go. Sorry. I, I had no idea. I was thinking about, I was trying to think about what I was going to say uh, about, uh, oh, oh. Um, yeah. So I saw a lot of people talking about, like, this browser didn't work, that browser didn't work, and whatever browser didn't work. And I, I just don't know anything about that. I mean, I was running Chrome. <laughs> on one account and i was running edge on the other account and some people said only firefox works so i really think this is individual users computers and i think it was possibly just a maybe a short-sightedness on eric's part using a completely new platform for people to join um i I don't want to really say this but you know we know the statistics and the demographics of the amateur radio community and if you've trained uh, you know, one of your loved ones, how to use Zoom and stuff like that. That's probably one of the few platforms that they can actually connect. You know, they they get on Skype and they can't find the camera button. They get on, <laughs> they get on some new platform and all of a sudden their computer doesn't work. Um, it's nothing to do with the platform. It does have a little to do with the technical savviness of the user in navigating these very new and um, distributed platforms. Uh, so yeah, I would have probably spent a little more time in, uh, demoing and training and, and, and getting people on the site and doing more testing, but I think it turned out pretty well. Um, I think the tables from a vendor aspect, I don't know how many people you got actually come into the table. Just, just had, one, but we had a good yeah. conversation. So <laughs> yeah, I had just one. I think I missed one too, because you said you missed one. <laughs> I think I was on someone started talking and I'm like, where's that noise coming from? But I did have one and I had a nice conversation on the K2BSA booth. That was a little confusing. Um, cause there was, there was an, a way to notify that people were interested in talking to you, but I never received any notifications. So I'm not sure if anybody ever clicked that or what that actually meant or what that was supposed to do. Um, and when someone joined the table that you were joined to, you really didn't get a notification that said, Hey, someone's here. All of a sudden they just start talking. <laughs> So <laughs> that was kind of weird too. Um, but overall, I thought you know, a lot of the presentations, I did see like three or four of them during the conference. Um, I thought the content was really good. And um, yeah, beyond the usual, you know, I can't use Zoom, I can't use Skype issues of some users or some users not really having. You know, if they were in a low bandwidth situation that maybe is good enough for uh, something hosted in the United States, um, it definitely wasn't a good condition <laughs> if you're right on the, the borderline there for uh, someone uh, hosting something in another country. So, um, and I'm not sure what could be done to fix that besides, you know, obviously picking a different platform, but then you'd probably still have the same problem. You know, you'd have picked uh, whatever the Verizon one is, Blue Jeans or something like that. Um, you would have the same thing, like, you know, you know, user, user experience curve where they just don't really know how to operate it very well and not familiar with it. And then they have all kinds of plugins on their browser or extensions that they don't even know about, like, you know, uh, coupon saving books and stuff like that. That's injecting stuff in the HTML <laughs> on every tab that you open. 
um, people will experience issues. So, um, but I, I thought it was positive and I think Eric and his team did a really good job of kind of, you know, damage control, you know, beyond the, the very first day, there was some, you know, statements made that I thought were not very, uh, um, legitimate, but, uh, beyond that, they started uh, cleaning their act up throughout the weekend. And, uh, I, I think they still gave plenty of value for, uh, for those that paid ticket monies and, uh, you know, hopefully the, the vendors that paid for booths and sponsored and stuff like that got, uh, got what they wanted out of it as well. What do you think? No, I'm, I'm going to agree with all of that. And I will say that he, uh, he, Eric was as just as attentive to, to us, uh, being mere podcasters, at the platform as he was to all of his uh high dollar sponsors so and uh he he really fought hard even with everything going on to get us uh to work like on time and everything and so yeah he he did his level best to keep things moving despite all the issues and i know that uh, if he does recover as he says he will <laughs> and put <laughs> and put on one in august that it will definitely go off much better than this one i think he's I think he's learned many lessons that will make whatever, whenever the next one happens, a lot better. Yeah, I, I, I really feel that he should push to just do an annual event, and um, <clears throat> I, you know, I, I literally I think, think he'll that. split his attendance. He'll split his attendance in half if he does it. You know, I mean, I think it'll be more more enticing to people to just do it once a year. I mean, I think people, no one's pushing for Hamvention to be twice a year or anything like that. No, so, no. Um, so yeah, I think, I think once a year is more than enough for an event like this. Um, I'm not sure what his six month thought policy is or thought process is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Cause you know, you're starting to see like, we're going to mention a story here in a few minutes that you know, is, is kind of like a hybrid event. So I think a lot of, a lot of, um, on you know in-person events are going to be mixed hybrid and in-person for those that want to socially distant and you know even after they get uh vaccinations and whatnot so i think that you know strictly a straight online event although is convenient for some things something like this i think there's just it's just no still not quite the right combination of platforms and there's definitely not a right combination of integrations to make everything cohesive for the end user. So I think the user experience is still fairly lousy. I, I'm still, the, the content is good and everything is good. I'm just saying that the, the user experience, I think is still, still pretty in, on the lousy side. So, I mean, that would be something you'd want to focus on. And I don't think you could solve that in, in five months. I mean, unless he's already signed contracts for software and platforms and stuff like that, and he's locked in, then that's really you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know if I would have made that kind of commitment. But uh, hey, he's 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 the man. So, yep, it's his baby, and he's going to run it the way he wants. So, <laughs> well, whenever it happens next, I'm sure we're going to try and be a part of it. So, hopefully, it, it goes off much better next time. And if there's a better integration between Airmeet and VFairs um, the next time around. And some of the technical hitches worked out. I think it'll be uh, highly successful. Yeah, I mean, what I saw of the Airmeet platform, it, it worked fairly well. Yeah, but I it was so just too. so disconnected from the VFair site that it's like I almost felt like you didn't even need the VFair site. Figure a way to get all the content in Airmeet and then toss the other one. Well, yeah, and if I had known the integration really wasn't there, I would have if I would have tried to figure out what the Airmeet link was and link it 
from the vfairs because you're we're able to set our links yeah. i would have just used the banner on our booth to link to the to the air meet site that probably would have been really useful <laughs> yeah yeah that would have that would have been something like part of the user experience is like just having a direct way to get right into, you know, the tables to talk to people and stuff like that. Cause I actually hang, hang out in the, the, the old check tax text room too. Cause those were still part of the V fairs platform, the little chat rooms. Right. And I didn't see a single person join. <laughs> no, I didn't <laughs> I was connected all weekend. <laughs> the worst thing for me about the AirMeet, yeah. I mean, it was the AirMeet platform was pretty nice. The worst thing about it for me though is there wasn't some nice URL. There was no like airmeet.com slash events slash QSO today or something like that. It was just this ridiculous um hex URL, you know. String. Well, that would have been fine if, like, you would actually have a GUID to go into each room, but each room didn't have its own GUID that was right. exposed to a URL, so you couldn't hard link a room. You could just hard link the event. The event, so, like, you'd have to search for the room or go down or scroll down through yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's just, yeah, it's all about the user experience, and that's kind of what, if he's got to do anything, work on that part. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's probably right. something he would appreciate some input on. So. Oh, he listens to the show, so he just got it. Yeah, he yeah. just got it. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> and he's a sponsor. So. <laughs> well, yeah, he's, a, so. well, he's a Patreon. So. He's a Patreon, yes. <laughs> yep, so. So. All right, very cool. So let's uh, let's stop talking about QSO today. If, uh, the links to uh, all the events and everything, the VFair site and air meet and all that. Well, wherever you can get content will be in the show notes as necessary. So if you want to check out that stuff and don't already know how to go there and you'll be able to get there. So let's move on to our one other amateur radio topic tonight, since we kind of went a little long on that one. <laughs> um, this is about another ham radio event. It's the Friedrichshafen ham radio event in Germany. Plans continue for in-person events going on over there uh, from June 25th through the 27th. But the Deutscher Amateur Radio Club, Dark, not to be confused with DARA, which is a totally different thing, concedes that the COVID-19 pandemic is making planning exceedingly difficult. The Dark. <laughs> They're in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> so if you join the club, you're in the dark. Uh, okay. Is the event sponsor, while the venue, the Friedrichshafen Fairground, uh, Messe Friedrichshafen, you can see how poor my German is, and local authorities have the last word. Planning underway includes appropriate hygienic and physical distancing policies. Oh, I'm so glad they used physical distancing instead of social distancing. I'm so tired of that term. It's also, it's also just plain wrong. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, Dark said it's planning a state-of-the-art online conference event, quote-unquote, in parallel with the arrangements underway for the in-person event. It's contacting international amateur radio organizations to provide presentations in video or other formats. So if you're in Europe around the end of June and you want to try to event or try to attend Friedrichshafen Ham Radio, uh, you should try and get ready for that because it may be in person. Yeah, and if you're uh, international, which you may have issues traveling to the country in now, <laughs> that's where they're <laughs> going to have the virtual portion of that. Right. So there, there's that hybrid conference, and I would see that. Uh, I think that's going to be a theme we're going to see even moving into uh, next year. I'm sure it will be a theme until we get all this COVID junk sorted out. 
All right, so let's get into open source. And Bill has been playing around with Garuda. So, what else do you want to tell us about this distrib- this this wonderful, mighty distribution that's that's come to your attention of late? <laughs> yeah, this is getting all the news. Yeah, I was a uh, I was on my phone actually this morning. I always like kind of flick through uh, uh, news articles and and stuff like that. And in between the uh, New York Times and and uh, other uh, uh, horrible. Uh, <laughs> papers this article popped up from uh, tech republic and it mentioned uh garuda linux kde version usurps deep in linux as the most beautiful linux desktop there it is folks deep in is now in the deep end and has been tossed to the side jack wallen over at uh, tech republic tells us that the world of linux has some beautiful desktops but to date one of the most beautiful has been deep in linux uh, the DeepEnd desktop is elegant, simple to use, and as reliable as a desktop as you'll find on a PC. For the longest time, I was certain no Linux distribution could best the beauty of DeepEnd, until a reader pointed me toward a distribution that I had, surprisingly enough, never heard of. That distribution is Garuda Linux. Garuda Linux is an Arch-based distribution that can be installed with KDE, XFCE, GNOME, LXQT, Win, KWIN, sorry, LXQT, KWIN? <laughs> <laughs> Cinnamon, Mate, Wayfire, uh, Qtile, BSPWM, and I, uh, I3WM desktops. That's a pretty good list to choose from. However, if you go with the KDE version, you're getting something special uh, because the designers and developers have taken great pains to create a work of art on the desktop. And what makes Garuda special? Obviously, we have a gorgeous desktop, but what makes Garuda special goes deeper than the aesthetics. The developers have gone out of their way to make this Linux distribution as user-friendly as it is beautiful. Given this is a distribution based on Arch Linux, that's impressive. Sure, there are plenty of user-friendly Arch-based distributions around, but Garuda transforms Arch into a platform that's easy to use, as easy to use as Ubuntu. Let that sink in for a moment. And that, of course, came from Tech Republic. And I really, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, <laughs> all of the, uh, all of the niceties and ease of installation. Um, the little, uh, they have like an app launcher that kind of gives you, uh, shortcuts to doing things. Uh, I forget what that's actually called, but if you read the Tech Republic article that we've linked in the show notes, um, you will see what I'm talking about. And of course we reviewed it here on the podcast and it's, uh, I, 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 I like it. I, I do like it. I, I haven't switched over yet, so I haven't made it a daily driver, but it's uh, it's getting closer. Well, I as yet have not even tried Garuda, so maybe that has to be on my roadmap for the next little while and see if I can actually bring myself to do an Arch-based distro at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so it so it handles like AURs like really nicely. Is that what I'm getting? Yeah, it's already uh, those are already turned on by default, so it's kind of like getting you immersed into that environment anyway. So, I mean, it's still a buyer beware kind of <laughs> uh, proposition because, I mean, if you search for like WSJTX, you do see like seven different versions. <laughs> okay. So you do have to be a slightly, I wouldn't say a, uh, you know, um, a, you know, a slightly sophisticated user, I think. I don't know. To some extent, you have to kind of know what you're doing when you pick a package out of the AUR pile. Uh, like we always say, anytime you get with AUR, yeah, you know, it is a buyer beware. You know, know what you're looking at, know what you're installing. Stay away from the ones that say Git. <laughs> because every time someone commits, guess who's getting a new package installed on their computer? You. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> so no, stay away from those. Look for re, you know release builds that are general availability builds. Stay away from the RCs and and the gets and and unless you really enjoy that, because you will see stuff break all the time. Then uh, Darren in the chat wants to know how big the Garuda Linux ISO is. Uh, I just downloaded. Let's see, I have both of them here, so I'll look real quick. Uh, let's see, Garuda. Oh, let me switch my view so I can actually see. I should probably just open a damn terminal. <laughs> so, uh, let's see, LL. There we go. Yes, I use shortcuts too. <laughs> let's see, Garuda Linux. Uh, let's see, Dragonized Linux, which is the KDE one, was a two point two gig, and the. Um, the gnome one, gnome one was two gig. So they're pretty, they're pretty thick, but not too bad. All right. Very cool. Yeah. I'm going to have to give Garuda a try. See how it is. It's been a while since I played with Arch. So anyway, let's move on. We have a flash topic about audacity, which appears to be the longest topic we have. <laughs> yeah. I meant um, to cut it back, but it was still kind of interesting content. <laughs> all right. So I'm just going to go ahead and read it through here. Uh, this is about audacity and the fact that version three has been released. It's been version two for I don't know, as long as I can remember, actually, <laughs> I think I did start on like 1.3, but that was like a long time ago. Uh, James Crook announced that we're pleased to announce the release of audacity three, which replaces all previous versions for windows, Mac OS and Linux. This is 3.0.0, by the way, that's two zeros, which means you probably don't want to use it yet. Um, it's a major update on our previous Audacity 2.4.2. We've changed the format in which we save Audacity projects. Previously, we saved projects as a sometimes large number of small files. Yes, I'm aware of that. <laughs> uh, this way of doing things is sometimes called a pile of files. The problem which happened all too often was that the data files in AEP file parted ways. Users quite reasonably expected the AEP file to contain the entire project. Well, the new AUP3 file does contain the data as well. Ooh, that's kind of cool. I like it. The technical detail is that we're using an open source database, SQLite 3, to store everything in one AUP3 file. That all happens behind the scenes. SQLite 3 is open source. Yeah, 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 yeah. SQLite 3. Okay. Uh, we did have time to improve our noise gate effect and add a new analyzer, label sounds, that can label sounds and silences. Ooh, that's kind of cool. I can see a use for that. We also made a few small tweaks elsewhere. You can now import and export macros. And there are a couple of commands for using the last use tool or last use analyzer that you can give shortcuts to. Hmm. I'm liking this already. <laughs> uh, we also fixed over 160 bugs that have been accumulating over the years. This is quite a staggering amount of work. The majority of those bugs were minor problems, easily worked around. Some of them were really juicy, high priority bugs that would have mattered a lot to the people affected by them. We're really glad to have these bugs fixed now. We hope you enjoy using Audacity 3.0.0 as much as we enjoyed putting it together. So cool. Thank you to James Crook and the Audacity development team for what sounds yeah. like a great new release of Audacity. Yeah, I figured that would uh, pique your interest. You know, <laughs> obviously we use Audacity uh, uh, quite a bit in the uh, in the whole podcasting gig. So uh, it's always kind of cool to see uh, the toy, uh, the tooling uh, kind of update and improve, especially the, uh, the pile of files thing. <laughs> I was really happy to see that. <laughs> go oh, away. I, I am, you don't know how happy I am to see that gone. I wonder if you can, I wonder if the, we'll take a pile, the pile of files version, an AUP and convert it to an AUP. If you, if you, or an AUP three, if you resave it. Mm, interesting. I, <laughs> sounds like a time to try that out. I definitely think so because that would that would free up probably a lot of inodes on my discs. <laughs> <laughs>
So anyway, yeah, that's something we should talk about someday. iNodes. Mm. Oh, I bet people don't even know what iNodes are. Uh, well, they're, I mean, obviously some people know what iNodes are, but I, I don't think enough. They're nodes with an I in front. <laughs> well, you know, every once in a while in my past, I've had a situation where a disc would fill up even though it was only 50% full and you go, wait a minute, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> And it's because you ran out of iNodes. So anyway, uh, enough about that. That may be another topic for another day. So we have another Flash topic here called Kubes. And Bill's going to walk us through Kubes. Kubes. It's, like, it's Kuha. <laughs> it looks like Kubes. Wait, do I have to clean my glasses? Yeah, I think so. You got an extra dash You need to clean your glasses. Your, uh... and... I did clean my glasses earlier, but apparently I did not do it quite effectively enough because that looks like Kubes to me. Well, you, you were messing up uh, call signs during the... QSO thing, so maybe you should blow the font up on your computer a little yeah, bit. What, yeah. what, I do what, have mine at 150, so. What call sign was I messing up? Uh, it was like WAF something, and you kept saying it was like WAB or something. And I kept, and oh, I, oh the, during the, the QSO Today event. Yeah, 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 yeah. because you would say it, and I'd be like, um, you messed that up. Again, <laughs> oh, well, so, I couldn't even read those text notes yeah. on uh, AirChat. I was so tiny. I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I realized I could zoom everything in and not affect the video itself. Right. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I should have zoomed out the whole screen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's do this a little bit differently. Let's do this as Kuha, Kuha, <laughs> Flash, Kuha, a simple screen recorder now available. Hey, we always like screen recorders because like it's fun to do that stuff. It can record microphone and speaker sounds and works on both X11 and that dirty Wayland. Uh, so Kuha only uses a fully open source library such as GStreamer, but unfortunately it doesn't support desktop environments other than GNOME. Well, is there any other desktop environment other than GNOME? I don't think so. Uh, oh, come on. You're a GNOME <laughs> hater and you know it. So I have, that's all I have on my systems is GNOME. <laughs> And you've, you've been bad-mouthing it for years. So. I know. I do. I do. <laughs> I, well, because I like Budgie for a while, but then I, I finally got so used to Gnome, I was like, okay, I just don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> One of the development priorities right now is to support the other DEs, such as KDE and Elementary, which is actually Pantheon, not Elementary, but whatever. We won't talk about that. Um so yeah, so this is kind of cool. I haven't actually tried this. I wanted to try it and I wanted to flip to Wayland to actually try it because I'm not using Wayland right now. I don't think I, I don't remember. Uh, but, um, yeah, cause I've tried OBS and yeah, obviously that doesn't work well, right out not, of the box. Not using Wayland is good for your sanity. So <laughs> yeah, but now that uh, this works for, uh, Wayland. Um, and of course I also, I didn't include it in tonight's topics, but, uh, I noticed that the, uh, the OBS beta in the flat pack now uh, comes pre-wired uh, for working well with Wayland. Um, yeah, this is looking good. So all those Wayland haters and, you know, this doesn't work and that doesn't work and this doesn't work and that doesn't work, blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? You know, stuff is finally catching up, and I don't think we're going to get any more releases of X11, kids. So, you know, <laughs> you might as well uh, jump on board. I still can't use Wayland. I just can't. Because it because barrier doesn't support it, and so I'm not sure. Uh, well, that's I get somebody to fix it. <laughs> yeah, that, that person's not going to be me. I know it's an open source project, and I know you know I could go in there and try and figure it out, but I'm not going to learn how Wayland works just to fix an application. So, yeah, so I would, uh, would I assume it wouldn't be that hard. You just have to know where the mouse is. 
Yeah, so barrier team. Um, <laughs> if anybody from the barrier team is listening, go ahead and fix it so it works with Wayland. <laughs> or go grab your favorite barrier developer and switch all his desktops to Wayland. <laughs> <laughs> and see if he can survive the day. No, he <laughs> just kill everyone. Anyway, this uh, I found this article from Reddit, but of course, it, the GitHub is also linked in the show notes, so you can try that out uh, at your uh, at your leisure. All right, very good. So let's move on to some Linux in the Hamshack, and we actually have more than one Linux in the Hamshack story tonight. This is very exciting news. So the first one is an easy one. Cheryl, do you want to read the first one? Cheryl at the microphone. Yes, Cheryl's at the microphone. <laughs> uh, okay, I just just wanted to make sure you can, you can handle this first one because it's just a, a release. So, okay, sure. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to belittle you or anything. It's just you know, <laughs> you, you don't have to know anything about this topic to read the story. So okay, all right, whatever. <laughs> so all right. So our first topic is WSJTX two point four point Dash RC3 is out. Candidate releases are intended for beta testers, individuals interested in testing the program's new features, and providing feedback to the WSJT development team. This is the third candidate release for 2.4.0, which introduces a new digital mode called Q65, designed for minimal two-way QSOs over especially difficult propagation paths, including EME and most types of scatter. Be sure to read release notes and the quick start guide to Q65. Send bug reports and feedback to wsjt-devel at list.sourceforge.net. You will need to subscribe to the list in order to post there. Uh, WSJTX is licensed under the terms of version 3 of the new general public license. Development of the software is a cooperative project to which many amateur radio operators have contributed. If you use our code, please have the courtesy to let us know about it. If you find bugs or make improvements to the code, please report them to us in a timely fashion. Derivative software for anything beyond personal use must not include the Q65 mode until the general availability release of WSJTX 2.4.0. Okay, no. I'm going to have to ask you to go back and read it again because you didn't make any mistakes. <laughs> well, you should, just, sorry, you, you did pronounce beta weird, but that's okay. Well, I, yeah, I <laughs> yeah, you, you pronounced it like not a as bad black as like fish, a, but not as bad as a European I, you know, beta. <laughs> <laughs> beta, I think it's beta or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. Weird. <laughs> I, I meant to say beta, and I, yeah, I came in as beta. So I bet well, a lot. Is, Oh, that no. is a real thing. It's a little black fish that swims in a bowl by itself. Yeah, or blue, push, or red, or right. green. And or, if you yeah. put two of them in the same bowl, they eat each other. They so, kill, no, each, they other. kill each other. Well, they, they're fighting just, fish. Right. <laughs> so they get all puffy and, you know, get real pretty, and then they go at each, ripping each other apart. <laughs> yeah. Now I did want to. Uh, I did add that last bit there, that last, that last little section there. That derivative software for anything beyond personal use must not include the new Q65 mode. This has actually become a, a little bit of a topic in the uh, in the developers mailing list because um, Joe Taylor thinks that uh, that just because the source is available. And they explicitly say that you're not supposed to use this in a derivative work, that you can't use this in a derivative work, even though it's licensed under GPL3. 
<laughs> so um, we're not going to argue that or discuss the legality or legalese of GPL version three. But if you want a good um, read, go read his uh, his open letter to the uh, person whom he doesn't name, but everybody knows uh, that used Q65 already in a build and uh, a response by one of the people on the mailing list that explained how GPL actually works. So it's, it's an interesting read if you're not already on the mailing list or if you ignore all those emails. You might want to dumpster dive back in there and actually find that one that starts with a thread from Joe Taylor on uh, <laughs> on derivative works. It's it's definitely worth a read. Uh, it definitely sounds like something I'm going to check out. So it, it sounds entertaining. Yes, it was. <laughs> Okay, so moving on, we have the Raspberry Pi Pico as an SDR receiver. With the profusion of cheap RTL SDR devices and the ever-reducing prices of more capable SDRs, there might seem to be a little place left for low-bandwidth devices we'd have been happy with a decade or more ago. But there's still plenty to be learned from something so simple. It's something Luigi Cruz shows us with a simple SDR using the analog-to-digital capabilities of the Raspberry Pi Pico. And since it works with GNU Radio, we think it's rather a neat project. CNX Software have the full story and quickly reveal that with its 500,000 samples per second bandwidth, it's not a machine that will set the SDR world on fire, even when pushing Nyquist law to the limit. So with the exception of time signals and a few long-wave broadcast stations, if you live somewhere that still has them, You'll, you'll need a filter and receive converter to pull in anything of much use radio-wise with this SDR. But a baseband SDR with a cap, uh, couple of 100 kilohertz useful bandwidth and easy hackability through GNU Radio for the trifling cost of a Raspberry Pi Pico has to be worth a second look. Oh, that's cool. So that came from Hackaday. Yeah, Hackaday was uh, was hitting uh, the ham radio articles uh, quite heavily, and I saw this one. I thought, yeah, that sounds like good enough to throw it in the Linux and the... Hamshack segment because it's ham radio and open, open source, source. all yep. together in one. So, yeah, check that out on Hackaday. And it came from Hackaday, which is a place that Bill likes to crap on a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not. No, it's not Hackaday. Which is the one that you don't like? It's um, ZDNet, maybe? Yeah, ZDNet. Well, ZDNet. Well, that's Davis. Come on, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, we got more Raspberry Pi news, and Bill's going to tell us what that is. Yeah, this is another one. Uh, this one came from Tom's Hardware, and this is Raspberry Pi Ham, a waterproof SDR for enthusiasts and noobs. We like noobs. noobs. Like coobs? Coobs, yeah. Are you sure, are you sure it's not Nuha? <laughs> Nuhas. It's Nuhas. <laughs> News. <sighs> okay, whatever. Yeah, so the <laughs> the Raspberry Pi community is built upon a fellowship of makers, well, maybe, uh, who are always itching to find out more ways to communicate and interact using their favorite single board computer. Uh, one maker known on Reddit as Splash07S decided it was time to listen for a change and built a custom software defined radio uh, rig called Raspberry Ham. SDRs are popular among amateur radio operators. This is where the term ham radio operator comes from. Okay, whatever. <laughs> it uh, is. I mean, I. There were no SDRs, SDRs existed when hammering. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, whatever. 
uh, do some research. Anyway, uh, users can listen to a wide range of frequencies ranging from air traffic control to local scanners. Okay, that doesn't make sense either. If the transmission is <laughs> unencrypted and open to the public, you can listen in. Well, you can actually listen in to encrypted ones as well. <laughs> this project uses Raspberry Pi as a base for the radio. Splash 07S recently uploaded a complete detailed parts list, which you can view on Reddit. Uh, you know, the front page of the internet. Uh, uh, the major components used were the Raspberry Pi 3B plus, a Pelican 1200 case, an RTL, RTL SDR dongle. Uh, the Pelican case is entirely waterproof and features external ports with waterproof casings. Uh, externally, you can take advantage of HDMI, an Ethernet port, multiple USB imports, and even a 3.5 millimeter jack. The image used for the SDR functionality comes from a developer named Luigi Cruz. You can find his SDR image for the Raspberry Pi on GitHub. And, of course, all those links are in the show notes, including the Reddit thread that this was taken from on Tom's hardware. All right. Very good. Ba-dum-bum. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the build itself looks pretty good. I definitely want to check that out. Um, to So I'm going to download that and put that on one of my pies here so and see what it looks like. Stuff it in your pie. Is that what you're going to do? Stuff it in my pie. <laughs> All right. Very good. So that means we have actually made it to the bottom of our list. That's that's the end of the show, sort of. But we do have the social media roundup, and we definitely want to get to this one because there are some folks in here we want to mention because probably the QSO Today Virtual Ham Expo helped us out a little bit with our Patreons and subscribers and uh, new visitors to our social media platforms. So we'll bring Cheryl in here and we'll let her read down through these lists that have some different names on them. Yes, I noticed several new names. So let's start the list with our Patreons. We have Douglas Shock, which is new. We have Eric Guth, Brandon Rezek, John Spriggs, Robert Lewis, Robert Pitts, Douglas Redder, David Jagway, Darren King, Cubicle Nate, Erno Costales, Samuel Vimes, Peter Caffrey, Richard Gordon, Paul Griffith, Jonas Rulo, Donald Gover, Herb Garcia, Steve Sainer, Steve Metcalf, William Heckelman, Randolph Smith, and Andy Webster. For our subscriptions, we have Eric Muller, which is new, and Carl Backus, which is also new. We have Isaac Geyer, Thomas Foy, Michael Bradak, Kevin Ivey, Tony Coverley, Ronald Ike, Johnny Kinsey, Peter Spots, Fred Cole, Bill Pewter, Jeffrey Boris, Robert Halliday, Wayne Hale, John Clark, Steve Hepler, Michael Jopling, Roger Pereira, Howard Dittmer, Todd Bowers, Michael Carey, A. Taylor, Dylan Engel, Jim McKenzie, Bill Collins, Robert Black, Darren King, Randolph Smith, Robert Yerke, Steve Biella, Alan Wilson, Mark Farrell, and Jeff Zimmerman. On Facebook, we had Bob Leach, Alfonso Restivo, Cobra Carr, and Terry Lowry join us. On Twitter, we had at PY1RCH, at KI5MIT, and at S Lynchpin. On YouTube, we had Neeson3140, Carl Keller, Tony Pico, or Pico, Bob Leach, Invisible Jewels, and Tim Baraducci. And there were no joiners on the mailing list and no merchandise sales. And there actually were mer- merchandise sales. So if somebody wants to talk for a second, I will go dig up who they are. <gasps> oh, <laughs> no. 
<laughs> and I did want to mention that uh, that those uh, two Raspberry Pi 400s that we sent out for episode 400 have actually been delivered to their recipients. Thank you very much, and uh, I hope you enjoy those and maybe uh, tell us what you did with them. Cool. <laughs> Once you actually get them uh, get them going, and uh, we had the yeah. three winners with the merch as well. We had four. A, oh, is it four? Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Because we had the question too. Yeah. So there were right, four. Right. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get that stuff boxed up and sent out real soon, but I'm trying to get on to see who picked up some merch because there were some merch sales. Amazingly. <laughs> um, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It's like loading really slow. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so we're going to say that Russ will get the merch stuff gathered up and the, uh, the swag mailed out that people won hopefully by Monday or Tuesday next week. Well, yep. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. <clears throat> and we had a couple of stickers ordered by Gary Watson, K6PDL. That's one of the orders. And then we have got a sticker sold to uh, Clint Bradford. I don't have a call sign there. How'd you get to it before me, for crying out loud? <laughs> Just look at my email. <laughs> oh, I, I went to the actual website. So, yeah. yeah. Those are- <laughs> and I think those are the only two sales I see. Yep, yeah. those were it. Those are it. Okay, good. Okay. I got the right ones. Yeah. Yep. So, hey, enjoy those stickers. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I may have to hit you up for the regular stickers if you have any left, because I think we may be out of the, No, I guess there must be a couple up there, because I try to keep the inventory up to date. But I, I think I may have a couple in my office as well. So. I, have, I think I have some, too, still, so I can always pick some up. Yeah. I, I'll keep an eye out, to, too, but... for ordering more. Uh, yeah, I am running low on that one. I still have the shiny ones. I think you guys have plenty of those, still, right? Yeah, we got a pack of the shiny ones as well. So, yep. All right. Well, that's it. That means we have come down to the end of the show. This has been our short topics episode number 402 of Linux in the Ham Shack. But before we go, we want to mention the folks who are here with us listening live tonight in uh, either Discord or using the streaming server. We had Steve, KC1AWV, Ted, WA0EIR, Tony, K4XSS, Ed, N2XDD, Darren, VK60K, and the Dons, KC9ZMY, and KBTYSI. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We are glad to have you, and thanks for all the new folks who have signed up to support the program. We appreciate you. And uh, either way, we just thank you all for listening, and we hope you have a great week, and we'll tune in for the next episode when that comes around. It'll be a deep dive. So be prepared for that. And in the meantime, we'll go ahead and sign off. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The show is recorded live every Thursday at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. 
get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash NHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at one nine oh nine NHS show. That's one nine oh nine five four seven seven four six nine. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hamfest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonisms.